You are listening to Comfortably Uncomfortable Conversations with your host, Devin J. Hall. I respectfully acknowledge that the land upon which we gather, live, and connect is the traditional and unceded territory of the Coast Salish people, specifically the Kwantlen, the Ketsi, the Semiamu, and the Tawasin First Nations. I am more excited for this episode than I've ever been excited for anything in my entire life. I interviewed this person for CGSF Radio like five years ago, I want to say. I just snuck into her DMs and was like, do you want to do this? And she said yes. And then I proceeded to dance around my house and scream for about a week and a half to the annoyance of my mother and my neighbors. Um, Kim motherfucking Rhodes. Devin, hi. I love you so much. (laughs) I have told this story a thousand times. Literally being a nanny and watching the sweet life of Zach and Cody and like wishing you were my friends. <laughs> now you actually are my friends. I am. And then you had a college radio show and I was like, yeah, gr- isn't it f-? like some people are like, what, what some people, some actors, some people in my position are like, I don't have favorites. And I can't say that there's people, but I don't know what makes a favorite. There's some people that just, I go, oh, you shiny person need to fit in my pocket right now. And you just, I was like, I want to be in your pocket. I will be your pocket friend and you can be my pocket friend. Forever and always. And I am, it's so fascinating to me because we are in just different spectrums of life. Um, economically, socially, racially, and yet you bring so much joy to my existence. And I don't want this to just be a compliment fest, but I just, I, I love you and I'm so glad that you're here. Um, I have some questions. Yes. Let's talk. This is because, because the flip side of the compliment, I need to thank you for being such a, a pivotal crowbar in the opening of my mind and how to get my mind and the way I move through this world in sync with my heart, which, you know, I'm definitely one of those well-meaning white liberals that wants to be supportive and good, but I also don't want to be bad and wrong. And so the way you challenged me and teach me and and do what is not your job, but are a resource for me to like show the fuck up and become who I say I want to become, as opposed to sit back and wait for you to tell me I'm good enough. Um, I'm really grateful for your voice. It has been a huge part in me being happier being me. Okay, well, interview over. I don't know what to say after that. My first question is so ridiculous that like to follow up that with this. That's okay. No, I'm ridiculous. Let's be ridiculous. It's a total Kim Rhodes moment. Uh, So I was on your TikTok last night at like 2.33 in the morning. And your TikTok is so much better than your Twitter game. It is. It's ridiculous. Like you are, you are a TikTok queen. (laughs) And my favorite is my absolute favorite videos are the tell me who you want to do duet with and it's just you duetting with people that want to duet with you (laughs) why why with that 
Because it takes so little to make somebody happy. Um, I went over to TikTok because I realized that um, I'm very verbal. I love words. Uh, Twitter has always been my primary way of connecting with people and expressing myself. And then Instagram and Instagram just felt so curated to me. It felt like I couldn't, it felt like, like middle school when I was the kid wearing homemade clothes with the home perm. Yeah, that's like, pretty I much exactly it. I can't, I can't, I can't, I don't, there's rules that I don't understand. There's levels that I will never be able to attain because I don't know where they are. I don't, I just didn't. So I didn't vibe with Instagram. I posted there sometimes, but um, I didn't really understand it. And then I finally snapped and went, I don't have any other outlets and the industry isn't showing up for me. I don't know. I need to fucking stop waiting for the world to show up and give me a yes. Where can I go? I was like, well, TikTok. And I'm like, ah, yeah, but that's, that's the kids. That's the kids party. Will they really? And so one of the things I've learned is to be respectful when I go into somebody else's house. Right. So I wasn't going to step into TikTok and be like, listen, kids, let me tell you how this should be done. It's like, what are you, what are y'all doing? What do you think is funny? What do you like in me and how can I contribute to your experience? Because I'm just here to make myself happy. And, um, and one of the ways I make myself happy is by with little effort and great humor, surprising other people and making them happy. Like it just makes me, it just delights me to know that there are people who don't expect anything that I can show up and give them exactly what they've asked for. That's awesome. Um, so on your TikTok, which is hilarious, like you are, when I was watching Zach and Cody with the kids, when I was a nanny, I had this overwhelming sensation that you were like everybody's cool mom. And that's who you are on TikTok. You're That's, the cool mom that fits in with the 12 year old kids and the 15 year old kids and the 18 year old kids and the 20 year old kids. And it looks so effortless. That's so, okay. So let me tell I was talking to my husband about this last night because I've only been on there like a month and a half at most. Um, and, and we were talking about what is successful. What do I enjoy doing? And I said, honestly, TikTok is where I finally openly and loudly admit I'm not cool. I am ridiculous. I am flawed and weird. And this is my sense of humor. And if you don't think it's funny, I don't care. And I honor your right to not think I'm funny or I'm not trying to be anything other than me. So it's so funny that your response is like, you're the cool mom. I'm like, but that's exactly what I'm not anymore. <laughs> I am I am finally owning every single inch of me that is not fucking cool. I'm just not. And that's okay. And that's, it's not up to me to define who you see me as, right? It's up to me to just show up and be like, well, this is, this is me. Here I am doing my little old lady dance. I love that because um, a couple of years ago, before I turned 35, I was fascinated with the aging process of being a woman because I feel like every year I accept a little bit more about myself and I'm a little more forgiving and I'm a little more relaxed and I'm a little less, well, what if they don't like this? And what if they don't accept this? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It's very, 
I, I tell because a lot of people use, oh, you don't age as a compliment. And I'm like, oh, 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 I wouldn't trade who I am now for who I was 20 years ago for anything because I feel like the God's honest truth is I just feel safer now. I feel safe. I feel like, oh, I'm not, I'm not at war with the world anymore. I'm no longer expending my energy on what you think of me. I'm willing to give my best self to myself now and, and let the rest of the world have the leftovers. And what ends up happening is there's actually more to give. When I was, when I was starting with, I'll give you whatever it is I think you want, even if you loved me, because of what I gave you, I didn't feel like you loved me because I was lying to you and I knew you loved a lie. I was, I was, a, but now when I'm like, I'm just, I'm just doing my thing. Then every time somebody shows up and says, I like your thing, it goes in because it's me. And, um, and so there's, it just feels like, it feels like I've got more left to give. And also I give myself permission to stop when I have nothing left. Just I love to be that like, so I can't, much. I can't. I had a couple weeks, just dark weeks where I went, I've got nothing going on. And the only thing I did was alive where I was like, this is me being not okay and letting you see it. I love it. And I think the reason that I love it is because you show the pretty and the beautiful and the funny, but you also show the ugly and you do so without fear. And I think that that is, it's not easy to say, look, I'm having a really shitty day. I'm not doing okay today. And the more that people see you doing it, the more that other people want to do it themselves. And I think that's where we lean into where you're not just a mother, you're not just an actress, but you're a teacher and in a very real way, a healer as well. Thank you. You're welcome. Um, So one of the things I saw on your TikTok, which is the greatest thing ever, was that during the filming of Zach and Cody, you apparently lost a toe. <laughs> what the, the hell? I, I, so, so internet rumors, first of all, I love the fact that there is a myth about me that is apparently a decade old that I don't even know about. Like you lost a toe. So then I, I was like, is this, true is this a is this a myth that somebody said i lost a toe or is it someone asking for feet pics and (laughs) and i don't interesting place to take it (laughs) well that's what everybody else was like it was like no this isn't a myth this isn't a rumor this is just somebody asking for feet pics and 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 this is what i love about the internet so much is that i'm exposed to human beings that otherwise I might not know I'm exposed to is somebody. And the other thing I say is just ask for what you want. I will tell you no, if I mean no, but don't like, this is, this is baffling to me. 
I'm spending a lot of time on it. You're probably pretty embarrassed about it that you asked this question, if that was your intention. And we're just spending a lot of energy when we just could have like gotten the no out of the way and then moved on. But no, I did not. I did not actually lose a toe. I did not. I have all of my toes and all of my fingers. And the only injury I ever gave myself on the set of Sweet Lives of Zach and Cody is that I thought it would be funny to drop out of frame once. And I landed on my my coccyx and I snapped it and fractured it. Oh my goodness. I know. It wasn't even that funny of a joke. But that's the, and I, I did that I find that to hilarious considering you are certified in four different kinds of TV combat. Three. three. Rapier three. and dagger is actually one kind. So there's okay. there's hand-to-hand quarter staff and then rapier and dagger is is one kind and that was for stage but yeah i forgot my i forgot my land on major muscle parts and i just hurt myself and you fought demons i did i fought demons i fought vampires i i did i did almost i mean when i say i did all my own stunts <laughs> i did a pass of everything i ever did myself my unbelievably talented stunt double on um supernatural made me look like a badass but the up close stuff yeah i i i thought i had i had some legs broken i had some arms broken i took some punches i took a shovel to the head you know i think that's so cool i think i think that's so cool because you're a mom and when you think of moms you don't think killing demons and fighting vampires and knocking off zombies and and protecting the you think protecting the world but not in the not in the violent, explosive way. And yet in the grand animal kingdom, if you're going to describe a ferocious, dangerous beast, you say sure. mama bear. Yeah. You say a mama bear, right? So so I think it's it's it was now supernatural. I'm shifting the conversation a little bit. So please shift it back. But I do want to address this is that I had the dubious fortune of really coming into uh, the character of Jody Mills at the same time that Supernatural was being very aware of their um, kind of treatment and compartmentalizing of female characters. And so they very much committed to creating Jody as an equal presence and non-sexualized, non, oh, my cat's climbing the, the wall behind me. Um, non-sexualized, just as capable badass as any of the other hunters. And that also meant that they were like, well, I guess we got to beat the crap out of her too. So Jody then began, everybody's like, why are you beating her up? I'm like, nobody asks, why are you beating up a male hunter? She's a hunter. She gets the shit kicked out of her. That's what hunters do. Um, I loved it. Yeah, I loved that they beat her up. I loved it. I, I love that they beat her up, but I loved most that Jody was the mom. She was the mom that the boys didn't have. And then that scene, and I can't remember the actress's name, where you're actually oh, Sam, where Sam and I got to with mom. It just played so well. Thank you. Yeah. It played I love, so well. And Sam, Sam Smith is actually has been one of my is a dear friend and I have been friends with her since before Supernatural even existed so that scene where they were working where they were you know talking about the boys afterwards I think one of the things that was so powerful about it 
and we re we recognized it afterwards was the intimacy the two women had to not look at each other in that conversation of where where they didn't like we really actors make eye contact a lot more frequently than real life human beings do like eye contact is generally made to like confirm that everything's okay but when two people are intimate and talking we're more concerned about the thoughts in my head and hearing the thoughts in their head we don't stare into each other's eyes unless we're uncomfortable <laughs> and um and so the fact that 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 relationship the 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 concurrent mothering the concurrent spirit uh was conveyed in that scene, I think is, I think is amazing. Um, I love that you brought that up. We, we, it was, it was fun to do. It was fun to work with my friend and it was fun to see those two essences get together around the boys. I actually hadn't planned to bring up Supernatural because, I mean, you talk about Supernatural a lot. It's your job. You have to, um, but it was such a big part of your life and it was such a big part of my life, like every week without failure. And when I, I think it was like two or three weeks into your first season. And I was like, I know her, I know her, I know her. Where do I know her from? And then it was like, oh my God, it's Kim Rhodes. Um, what was that whole experience like being the woman going, yeah, I'll come on the show, but not if you're going to kill her off. Because oh, I did a not lot of women, any... a lot of women died on that show. Yeah, I had no say in what they did with my character whatsoever. Um, okay. I didn't know the character. I was absolutely prepared to be killed off for seven seasons. I assumed that every time they were like, hey, can you come back up? I was like, do you have the right phone number? Is it me? You want me back again? Am I dying? You're going to tell me, would you please warn me? Like, all I asked was after like five years, I said, will you please just tell me before I get the script if this one kills me? That's all I'm, that's, that's, it is, it is actually not up to an actor what they do with their character. Um, so again, when I said I had the, I had the, uh, the, the dubious luck of being someone that they were like, okay, we're going to do better with this character had nothing to do with me at all. It, I did not walk in and say, I would like to talk to the producers and the writers, but they get nothing. That was not me. That was all the writers. That was the producers listening to the fans, recognizing and wanting to do better. Um, I, I don't want to. I don't want to harp on Supernatural, but I do want to ask a bit of a fun question. Yeah. Besides Jody, um, we know that the fans all have their there are camps for the different characters. Mm -hmm. Misha has his Gwishers, and Jared's got his, and they've all got theirs. Who is your favorite character on the show? Oh. Like, who's your favorite character to just watch and, and their story to dig into? Garth. <laughs> I miss Garth. Garth was awesome. Like, come on. There's, a, there's the, like, I, I like the quirky. I like, and also I can't separate what I'm watching from what I, from the person I know. I will for, oh, um, there are certain performances that will affect me for the rest of my life. Like I saw 
a performance of Romeo and Juliet that when I have to go to tears, I saw it when I was in my 20s, I was like 27 years old. And I still can think about this one line that the incredible actress playing Juliet said that will send me. And I'm the same way with Ruth Connell when, when he, when Mark, when Crowley says, why did you hate me? And she's like, because otherwise I would have, just the and it and I'm even misquoting it, but she was like, I had to hate you because otherwise I would have loved you. And that, like her skill and the the pain and truth of that moment is going to stay with me for the rest of my life. And there's gonna be times when I have to hit an emotional moment that I Kim will not be able to hit. And I will recall that, and this is where I will emotionally go. So, uh, so Rowena, um, also clearly uh, a, a character that I loved, and then all of my fucking girls, all of them. I think I think Alex is an interesting character. I wish we got to see more of her of her of her journey from unbelievable to, from being bait for vampires into being a, a, a nurse, someone who heals people for a living. I wish we'd seen more of that. I wish we'd seen Claire confront how her behavior affects people she loves. I wish we could have seen that. Um, I wish we could have seen what patience has to do to stand up to her father. Like, I wish we could have seen those things, but that's also Kim's attachment to the character because that's what I get paid to do is make things, but you know, every time they tell an actor, oh, it's not personal. It's like, no, it is personal. You pay me to make it personal. You just don't want to accept responsibility for the fact that I'm taking it personally. You know what I mean? So, um, so I have a personal attachment to many characters, but they're, they're because they're personal and I love the people. That's awesome. And it's awesome from a fan st standpoint, but it's awesome because it shows that when you get up and you go to work, these characters actually mean something to you. And the effect oh, yeah. that they have on the audience, that means something to you. And I appreciate that as a fan and as a friend. Um, to step away from Supernatural, even though I could ask you a million questions because <laughs> I have a million questions and I've seen all the questions from the fans. Where does Kim the actress and where does Kim the woman separate? Oh, uh, that's an interesting thing. So I need to be, I'm learning to be responsible in this world. Now, there are things that conflict. There are things that would benefit my career and my job that do not benefit my heart and my soul. Um, and so basically I have to pull it apart and look at the voice of fear. Am I scared that I have to sacrifice a piece of my belief for a piece of what I think I need? Do I really need it? Um, I'll give you an example. So recently I was asked to endorse, to re basically receive something that would involve me in a uh, in a premiere event online. And I looked at it and the first thing I looked at it, I was like, I 
should have been in this thing as opposed to like, oh, I'm I'm a genre female and you want me to address this thing. So mm. um, then I looked a little harder and it had a person supporting it and creating it that is not some that is that is not somebody that I vibe with their how they move through the world and I very publicly don't I have never like pointed this person by name and I don't believe in doing that because I believe essences are more powerful than than uh and also it's not safe for me I'm not willing to stand up and put myself a target on myself but this person not somebody I want to support and so I just wrote back I didn't write I didn't have to do a whole diatribe I didn't have to say why I just said no now, would it have done me some good? Maybe. Might have been great to get on this whole company's radar because, yeah, this show is something I should be on. Is it worth it to me to work with them? No. No. So um, so I look at the voice of fear. And I also look at the voice of how much power do I really have? Um, a lot of times I feel like the most revolutionary act I can take is being happy, is moving forward, is being willing to listen. Like an actor, like the first thing I think of when you say actor is ego. And where do I set my ego down and genuinely make it not about me and listen when my job is to fucking listen? Um, so a lot of times Kim is in play when people really want the actor to be in play and they're getting mad that the actor is not in play. And I'm like, that's because Kim's doing her job. That's because Kim's doing her job and you are welcome to have feelings about that. But when Kim sits down and listen, when Kim supports in the background, when Kim does the walk and Kim, the actor, is not out there with a pitchfork or uh, using her platform the way you think she should. That's because Kim, the actor, is doing it. That's because Kim, the person, is doing the job. I, Does any of that make sense? It makes perfect sense. And I, I love that so much because fans have what I call a very annoying habit of expecting their favorite celebrities to behave in a way that they approve of, right? Like, I mean, Chris Evans, famous actor, famous political analyst at the same time has created a platform where he can talk about politics because he's passionate about letting people know what is available to them for information. Um, and people get angry at him because he's not leaning the way that they that he they think that, that he should lean. And so when you come out and say, no, I'm I'm actually doing my job as a human being, I really respect that because it's not easy to defy what other people tell you you should be. It, it it's true. And I have I wrestled with it a lot. Um and the other, so within that, I also say, do I have anything to contribute to this conversation? Because um, I'm realizing this a lot when people ask me on TikTok in the lives, do you support Black Lives Matter? 
Yes. Do you support trans rights? Yes. Do you support LGBTQ plus rights? Yes. Then there's another question. Do you support me as a trans individual? And I'm realizing the danger of a cis white woman thinking I have the right to give you what is already inherently yours. And so I don't want to move into the assumption that I have and I give to you. Um, so wait, where the hell was I going with that? Um, the, the idea of a platform, oh, disappointing people. So do I have anything to contribute to the conversation? I will validate, I will support, I will, but also this conversation isn't about me. And even if I'm screaming about you, if I'm not contributing anything that isn't already out there, being spoken by the voice whose owner it actually is about, then I'm going to shut the fuck up. I love you. <laughs> you were so still for a second. I was like, unless that's upsetting no, to I you, could, in which case I, mean, I can adjust that. <laughs> I, as a mixed race black woman, couldn't have said it better myself that like the the desire for cis white women to be a part of the conversations and to be allies is huge. And I'm forever grateful for that. Um, however, I also acknowledge that there is in sometimes an inability for the cis white woman to stop centering herself in the conversation. Yes. And I recognize that. And you recognize that. And I think that that's huge. And I think that that's what makes you so relatable to women, regardless of their age. Thank you. You're welcome. And I, I noticed, like, I had to look at myself and say, why, why am I, what is coming up? And there's this belief that if I honor another's experience, somehow it invalidates mine. And that's a lie. There's so many people that are like, I, I don't have white privilege. I'm terrified. I can't pay my rent. My children don't get new clothes. Like that's valid. That is pain that is fucking valid. That does not negate white privilege. They're two fucking different things. So the idea that if I, as a white woman, don't make this about me, somehow I lose my right to be frightened, to be a victim, to be, to have people stick up for me. Like there's, there's not, there's enough to go around. There's enough equality yes. for everybody. We can all have an experience and honor the fact that somebody else is in an environment they shouldn't have to be in. Absolutely. Um, I want to shift gears a little bit just because I know this particular project is close to your heart and to the hearts of millions of little girls out there. And it was an episode of Supernatural, but it did not get a series contract. Oh, <laughs> Wayward Sisterhood is something that, okay, technically I have the shirt somewhere. I don't know where it is. I think <laughs> it's stolen it, but it is somewhere in this house. Um, the wayward sisterhood is something that is like low key happening across social media right now. 
Is it? Go they girls. And there boys. People tagging and non-gender identifying. How do you feel about that? I think that's fucking awesome because I have nothing to do with it. <laughs> <laughs> I don't, I like, so, so the entire run, what people do with me and my character in the privacy of their own brain is up to them. So if something in me, cause it's not about me, right? It's about what I reflect in them. So if something in me somehow hones in on another person's expression of freedom, experience of creativity, uh, willingness to show up for themselves in this world, then I, I, then, then fuck yes. I don't care what that looks like because if it's your joy, then it's right. I don't have any need to get in there and micromanage and be like, how do I, how do I hone this into something that will serve me? I don't have any right to do that because it's not fucking about me. It's just, I happen to be the catalyst for you to find something in yourself that hopefully makes you feel good and powerful and more like you. Good. And it, it's cool because there are people who have, in addition to being a part of the supernatural fandom, have jumped on the Jody bandwagon or like waiting and praying and hoping for the female version. And I think, I feel like if it's not Wayward Sisters as a TV show, right, it will be something because in the 90s we had Buffy and we had um, Joss Whedon's Angel and that was very female empowerment. And I think that Supernatural did a good job of, like you said, putting the emphasis on the fact that hunters get their asses kicked regardless of their gender. And with yep. that episode, it really made people think like, maybe maybe girls do need something that will inspire them and non-gendered people. And so I, I think as your friend, it's really neat to go on Twitter and see people hashtagging wayward sisterhood because I was there when it started. Yes. Yeah, and I love the really fact neat. that People are willing to let it bleed into what, like, it's so funny to see. Okay. I'll be honest. I'll be, I'll be tenderly honest with myself right now. So a couple of days ago, I interacted in two very big ways. Um, uh, one was I jokingly, but seriously, um, tagged Eric Kripke because he's got a he's got a spinoff of the boys, right? I was like, I think I should be their Quidditch teacher, and and Twitter was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Hey, by the way, yes, we'd watch her. Yes, and and I was like, thank you, like it's thank you, it, thank you. It's like the it's like the little red hen saying, I want to bake some bread, and everybody showing up with ingredients. Um, and then I joking, completely jokingly, was like, I, I didn't know that granny, granny goodness in the, in the, because my, one of my best friends in the whole wide world plays dark side. So Zack Snyder's, um, cut comes out and now he's finally, cause he was on the cutting room floor first and now he's dark side. And there's a character in the background that in silhouette looks like me. It was like, Oh my God, they're best friends. Is this why? I was like, no, that, that wasn't me, but, but I'm down. And then there were people that were like, yeah, that she should get. So it's, it, 
it's really hard. Oh, don't cry. Oh, no, I'm going to cry because I think I might never work again. Right? I don't, my, my health insurance is tied to my employment and it's going away. Um, I haven't worked in a year. The consistent work that I had was supernatural. I'm not a commodity. I'm not like, I don't audition anymore. I haven't had any, like, there's nothing. There's nothing. And so when people on Twitter step up and are like, no, but, 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 but for real, you still, we still want you to work. It's a little bit of life support for me because there's nothing else in my world telling me that I should keep trying to do this. Um, so it does mean a lot to me. That is not, that is not asking for pity. That is not making it other people's responsibility. And that is not give, taking away my own permission to quit when this, like to really just stop trying. But, um, but I just want people to know how much that means to me because there's, there's nothing else that's indicating that this is still a viable career for me right now. I actually feel like, I just have this feeling that something really cool is going to come your way because I know you a little bit and because I know parts of your journey from stuff I've researched or from having talked to you. And I just, I feel like you're one of those people, like you haven't hit it yet and you deserve to. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, God, it's, if there's, I really do. I just feel like there's something that's super cool that has to come your way. I think it should be wayward sisters. Well, I would like to see Jody leading a badass group of female hunters, like, and watching them fall in love and have the coming of age story and have the perfect ending, like supernatural. Like I want it. That's me as a fan. I can't it would, help it. It would have to exist in some other way because just the nuts and bolts of this industry are contracts expire. Um, intellectual material is a thing. They like supernatural is done and CW has dissolved everything, all of their contracts, all of their, like that's done. And everybody else has gone on and gotten new jobs. Yeah. So they couldn't, they couldn't call the horses back to pasture because you know, there aren't a lot of us that are sitting around going, yeah, yeah, I'm available. Everybody else is like, no, I'm, I'm doing other stuff now. Um, you know, that's like, I use the, I use the, the, the simile that would be like putting a bid on a house and having it rejected. And then two years later, having them be like, okay, pay us. <laughs> like, no, that's I'm, again, I'm done. we've moved on. Fan, that would be my preference is everybody just give up their lives and come back to make way worse. <laughs> I know it's not likely, but I can't help but pray for it. I just, I can't. Um, you always know that you wanted to be an actress. No, um, I, oh, well, I always knew I craved attention. I wanted high emotional experience, but with low emotional risk. So that those are two things that made me start acting was, uh, uh, oh, I'm, I'm getting some attention and validation that I crave. And I'm getting to have a big, 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 because I always, 
um, I think you've, you may be privy to this. Over the pandemic, it's become increasingly clear that I am, I do not have a diagnosis. And so I'm, I'm uncomfortable claiming this identity, but I'm probably autistic. And so in that framework, a lot of my early childhood experience makes a lot of sense. Um, I was very famous for having quote unquote tantrums that were probably little autistic meltdowns. Um, my parents didn't know how to support me or my neurotype. But one of the things that I did, I craved huge emotional experiences, but I also craved um, uh, uh, a controlled environment. Well, acting gave me both of those things. I, I could have massive feelings, but I knew exactly what the other person's response was going to be because it was in the script. Yay, me. So that's why I started acting. And I still love that. I still love the storytelling aspect. I love the connection. I no longer need it for validation because A, I'm not in control of that. And if I'm putting my well-being on in the hands of something that I have nothing to do with, then I'm kind of fucked. But, uh, but also the, the collaboration, both within the creation and the audience um, is much more fulfilling than making something about me. Um, but I do still love, I do still love having, finding genuine emotional experiences in the safety of a script. I can understand that. Um, my audience knows that I deal with trauma, so I can totally understand and comprehend that. Yep. Um, Hollywood has gone under a reckoning. I've been mm -hmm. thinking about this a lot. Hollywood has... Mm -hmm. The lights have been turned on. Everybody has been sent home. Conversations have been had. And you have mostly, and I think deliberately, stayed out of the conversation. Mm -hmm. Why is that? Um, are we talking about uh, in terms of uh, sexual harassment? Yeah. And the uh, I've stayed out of the conversation because I have experience with the conversation. And I cannot approach the conversation in a way that is neutral. Um, uh, I find that when I put something into the world and I can only feel good about it if it is received a certain way, then I can't afford to put it into the world. I cannot afford to stand up and say, uh, this person did this to me neutrally. Um, it's too, it's too frightening and it's too painful. Um, on the flip side, the thing that I was talking about earlier, where I was like, I'm not going to support this project and I'm not going to support this person is because that person very clearly has been outed as someone who victimizes women. I'm not interested. I don't need that career. So um, I have engaged in, I engaged a little bit with my friend, Catherine Fiore. Um, Catherine Cat Tigerman, who was uh, raped, and I very publicly talked about my own experience with rape. But even then, I didn't name my rapist because it's frightening and painful. And yeah. 
I'm not willing to hurt myself. Like I have a lot of people that say, well, you'd be preventing another person getting hurt. Would I? Would I for sure? And again, how is it okay for me to guarantee to hurt myself for the possibility of another person's well-being? I, I'm, I'm just not, I admire those who do. I think it's fucking awesome. And I elevate their voices. Uh, I'm not, I, I'm not at a place where I am capable of, of joining in that. Now that said, I have named names when it would matter. There are people who absolutely know and people who will absolutely never fire, never hire that motherfucking asshole. And I'm the reason why, and I'm fine with that. Um, I think that that goes a long way to where does Kim the actress and where does Kim the woman begin and end too? Because it, that, that is an absolute moment of self-care. Not everybody is capable of, of saying this is who and this is how and this is why and this is when. And I think that too many people who have been victimized feel like it has to be one or the other. You either have to tell the story or you have to keep your mouth shut. And I, I feel like it doesn't have to be. It can be something you share when you're ready or not. It's also, it's also, it's very funny. I just, two days ago, I'm going to say two days ago, I was sitting at the dinner table with my husband and somebody brought up, because uh, everybody was like, how about this character coming in? How about this character? And so and I was like, oh, that'd be funny if this character... Oh, that's the episode. And I will tell their story because I don't remember the director's name. I was playing a bartender and I did something. And the director said, well, you know, when you did it, and I said, I've, I've actually never tended bar. And he said, you're an actor and you've never tended bar. And I said, no. And he goes, what are you a stripper? And I just, I, and without it, I went, nope, too old for the pole, just an actor and went on and it wasn't, and this was over 10 years ago. And it took me 10 years to realize that that was a shitty fucking thing to say to me on a set in front of a bunch of people. My brain is so conditioned to be like, ha I don't even recognize it. It yeah. takes me 10 years to be like, Wait a minute. That's not okay to say to me. That's not, that's there. not okay. I have absolutely been there. I've been there where I've been full on, like guys have shoved me up against a wall and kissed me. And at the time it was like, oh, that's so romantic. And then 10 years later, I'm like, actually, I probably would not have consented to that had been, I've been given a choice. So no, yeah. that's not romantic. Yeah. And, and it's because we are, we are absolutely conditioned to believe that men can say and do whatever they want until we stop and think about it and realize like, wait a minute, pulling back the layers that didn't make me feel comfortable or safe or worthy of being where I was. Yeah. Yeah. That's not, that's, that's not, that's, that's not. Okay. So, so the, so the Kim, the actor and Kim, the person, Kim, the person's brain just doesn't always recognize when Kim, the actor has been assaulted. Yeah. <laughs> I get that. <clears throat> um, I'm out of questions. And I, man, I, I love you, man. Like this was just such oh, a cool conversation. Nice. And I, 
I got to know so much about you and there's so much wisdom in who you are as a woman and an actress and a mother and a wife and a human being. And I'm so grateful that you took the time to sit down with me today. Oh my God. I love you so much. I love that you are willing to be and encourage other people to be uncomfortable. I say this all the time. I'm like, I'm just uncomfortable. I'm just uncomfortable. And every single time on the other side of it, I'm more the person I'm supposed to be. Right. So if, so if I'm willing to fucking be uncomfortable, I get to be more me on the other side. I think that's funny. Cause I learned that from you. Really? Like my book is my book. Uncomfortable is written because you are the one that said, be willing to be uncomfortable. Yeah. Should have put that in the dedications, but like. Oh, that's, it's such, but isn't it a fucking superpower? It really is. The amount of damage I have done to myself in my life because I was not willing to be uncomfortable. And then the idea that. No less. Oh, yes. (laughs) Which is like, it's in the job description to be uncomfortable. Oh my God. (laughs) Yes. Well, but that's, and that's the thing. It's like, oh, if I'm just. Well, that, that was like, if I just control the discomfort, then it won't hurt me. And there's no, the the control is an illusion. It's all a lie. If I'm just willing to be in whatever this, because so much of the discomfort is me resisting the discomfort in the first place. What does it mean? Does this mean I'm bad or wrong or stupid or weak or no, it just, it just means right now I'm uncomfortable. Yeah. And I think again, that goes to the idea that we are conditioned by psychologists and teachers that if you don't behave this way, if you don't feel this way, if you don't think this way, then there's something wrong with you. And it's in the fighting against those preconceived notions that we find ourselves uncomfortable. And then we wonder if there's something wrong with us because we're not like everybody else when we're not supposed to be like everybody else. Yes. When the, when the, when it's the programming, that's the problem. Yeah. Not the experience. Uh. Where can people find you on social media? Oh, gosh. Uh, that's an excellent question. I don't know. Um, um, on t- I know. I'm, I'm generally Kim Rhodes, the number four, and R-E-A-L, which is an old, people don't know this. It's a, it's a, it's a tribute to Matt Cohen because that's what Matt Cohen did. There were a bunch of fake Kim Rhodes when I joined social media. And I was like, wow, how sad do you have to be when you think pretending to be me is an improvement on your life? Um, <laughs> Wow. Uh, oh, wow. But uh, yeah, Matt Cohen was Matt Cohen for real. And we used to joke that we were brain twins separated at birth by many, many years. And um, so I, I was Kim Rhodes for real as a, as a tribute to Matt Cohen. So I am either Kim Rhodes for the number four real on Twitter or on Instagram. I think it, there's an S on it. Kim Rhodes for reels, because by then somebody had taken Kim Rhodes for real. You generally know, like people pretending to me, to be me are really either super trying to be cool or super like just not funny. (laughs) I'm, I amuse at least myself if I'm not amused. Yeah. You just put them on notice because some of them might hear this conversation. Great. Then no, I don't think it like you can pretend to be me all you want, but like here's my first Twitter. I got to get cleaned up, yo, or y'all. I got to get organized. That's not. 
that's not that's not how I talk and it's not funny. It's not, it's just stop it. Stop it. <laughs> stop it. At least throw a few F bombs in there so people might think it's me. That was the one thing that I was surprised about the first time I interviewed you. Because I was expecting this, I, I really was expecting this like demure, quiet, um, very polite, <laughs> be like well-behaved professional actress. And you swear like a sailor and you don't give a fuck and you just had fun with it. And I, that's why I loved it so much. It's too much effort to try to do anymore. I watch, yeah. I watch like I do cameo. That's the other thing I have. I have uh, cameos have been feeding my family. Thank you all for this, um, by the way. And, uh, and I watched, I went to, to go through and be like, I wonder how the other, I, I've never really done research. And I watched and I was like, some of these actors seem like they're having such a miserable fucking time. Like being very like, like stop worrying. There's, there's no fun in that. Is that fun for you to be calm and demure and edit yourself? Like the world gives you no enough. Don't tell yourself no on top of it. Uh, if not acting, what else yes. would you be doing with your life? I am teaching horseback riding right now. Um, I so have, of all the things you do, that's the thing I'm jealous of the most. I teach, I have, uh, I, I work, it is the barn that I've been riding at for a number of years. And when the pandemic hit, they, because it was an outdoor, very, were really, really regulated. Um, everybody's masked up. Everybody's like, why are you wearing a mask? When I send a picture, well, you afraid the horse is going to get it? I'm like, no, I'm on a property that we have a mask mandate so we can stay the fuck open. Um, and I take care of the children that I'm teaching. So, uh, so I teach beginning acting. My schedule's full. I have, I have all of my little Muppets that I love. And, um, and so I teach beginning, I teach beginning acting. If, if, I, I teach beginning acting. I teach beginning writing. Um, if I weren't acting, that was what happened was my brain got ahead of the thing. If I weren't acting and actually had to make a living, I don't, I mean, one of the things I enjoy about writing instructing is that I'm not, I'm not pressured to have to go and get clients. I get to kind of get, if I were, would I be teaching writing for a living? Maybe. I sure do love it at the barn. I love it a lot. I'd probably try to study more and just be a groom. I don't know. I don't, I don't I know. be a groom. No? Why? I don't like horses enough to want to clean up after them. Oh, I like, I like, I'm grateful that I love my, my kids that I teach, but in general, I like the horses more than I do the people. And if I only had to deal with the horses, that would be awesome. Oh, I definitely <laughs> love horses more than I love people. I just don't love them enough to clean up their crap. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I don't know what I do for a living. Like if if education, if I had the education, if if I didn't have to go back to school, um, I would probably like I'd 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 work in a zoo. Um I don't know, something with animals. Having a, having 51 years on this planet working with people makes me think that, yeah, I'd probably work with animals. <laughs> having, knowing some of the people that you've worked with, I can understand that. <laughs> I like I them it. a lot. I like them so much. I love them. But now I just want to, now I just would like to deal with fuzzies. 
I just want to people deal are, with I mean, people are difficult to deal with, especially in 2021, when I feel like so many of us around the world are going through um, serious emotional breakdowns. And we're so, waking up to all of this crap that has been programmed into our heads. And like you said, Twitter is, Twitter used to be the, do you remember with Anonymous? Like that's how we met. Yep. And there would, we wore masks and it was fun and we danced and we threw tiny chat parties and like we would get drunk together and not us specifically, but <laughs> members of Anonymous. Um, and I just, I like, it was a whole revolution but it was a revolution with partying and fun and laughter. And we seem to have lost the laughter in the last five or 10 years. So, well, and again, that's why I feel like being happy is a revolutionary act. Being willing to say I am worth joy today. I don't have to be like, like back to that, you know, people take it very personally when I'm not angry at the same things that they're angry at. And I can, help change the world in the direction it needs to be changed without rage being my motivating factor. I give myself permission to not be angry. You know why? Because it makes me not feel good. And I'm angry enough when I have no control over it because it's a reaction to fear and grief for me. And I'm fucking sad and scared all the time. So why would I actively make myself angry when I, when I don't have to. So that's, that's one of the things that this, you know, that's one of the reasons I stepped away from Twitter where I was kind of like, it feels like people only want me to be here to get mad. And so I'm, I might, I might not, I might not as much. I love that. Thank you so much for doing this. You've been listening to comfortably uncomfortable conversations. I love you too. I'm Devin J Hall and you can follow me on Twitter at Devin J Hall, where I rage all of the time because I find it orgasmic or at loudmouthbrowngirl.com.